for the last little while being strong in the Lord because Ephesians 6 verse 10 tells us, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so we've been talking about what does it look like to be strong in the Lord and what sort of things do we need to believe that will make us strong. Um, Because church, we're called to be strong. Amen? You need to interact with me today. I need some interaction. We're called to stand having done all to stand. And Jesus didn't go to the trouble of the agony of the cross and condemning um, sin in the flesh and triumphing over all the principalities and powers of darkness so we can be floppy, flimsy Christians who don't look much difference to anyone else in the world. He didn't go through that so we can have a Christian confession on Sunday and then be blown about by the circumstances of life every other day of the week. Come on. Following Jesus is so much more than that. The sacrifice of Jesus was not just to save you from your sin and the effects of sin, but also to reunite you into a relationship with the Father. He died to make you compatible with his spirit. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. So that's where we need to be living, walking in the Spirit, being one with the Spirit, one with God. Um, And so today I want to take you to a place in the Bible where the Father often takes me when I needed to be reminded of what it looks like practically to be strong in the Lord. When I need like a good, I don't know how many points we'll end up with here. We might end up with maybe nine or ten. But when I need a ten point slap, 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 this is where the Father will take me to just like, Naomi, come on, this is what you need to do. It's like my to-do scripture. Does that make sense? Because it's easy for us to as Christians, to like want to encourage each other and be like, oh, just be strong, Brother Tom. You've got this. Jesus lives in you. Like, just be strong. And you're like, well, yeah, thanks for the reminder. But it doesn't actually like help you know what to do or how to walk it out. Does that make sense? So, So we need to like come to church and be stirred up to love and good works and and be reminded of the truth, but then we need to be able to take what we learn and put it into practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So uh, this is one of those scriptures that help me to know what to do, if that makes sense. Okay, so we're going to go to the Old Testament. (gasps) If you have your Bible, I would love you to open it and go there with me because we're going to read a chunk of scripture and we're just going to work through this. And Lauren, you're amazing, Lauren. Thank you. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles 20. I think Lauren's going to have it up on the screen for us, verse by verse, because she's amazing. So 2 Chronicles 20. And we're going to read about King Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. And in this passage of scripture, there are several keys to show us how we can be strong in the Lord and what it 
might look like practically for us to walk out. All right, so 2 Chronicles 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Mennonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. All right, so we've got King Jehoshaphat. There's a multitude, not just a little bit. This is a bad day for a king. There's a multitude coming. Not just one, like, country or whatever, there's, or city. There's three cities coming against King Jehoshaphat. All right? That's a bad day. Verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. I feel like... Number one, our point number one, our point to do, whenever you feel fear, you need to wire your brain to not like go down the pathway of fear and what might happen and blah, 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 but you need to wire your brain to seek the Lord. We actually need, yes, we need some amens there. We need to wire our brains, no matter what's going on, every time I'm afraid, every time I feel anxious, every time there's something going on, I need to wire my brain that my default setting is I'm going to seek the Lord. Praise God. He was afraid and he said his he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Wow, so he, he, he just didn't turn aside and seek the face of God. He actually was like, I'm going to get my whole city is going to seek the face of the Lord. And I'm going to proclaim a fast. And fasting, it's not about twisting God's arm so you can get your way. Let's just make that really clear. It's not about, God, I'm going to give up food and things that I love so you will do what I want you to do. I, f- I feel like sometimes we Christians can get a silly mentality about fasting. No, fasting, I'm going to deny my flesh and untangle myself from the things of the world to align myself with the things of the Spirit. And I'm going to depend on Him to sustain me, not on food or the pleasures of this world. Ultimately, when you fast, you are setting yourself up to have a clear perspective and to see things from His perspective. Does that make sense? So our number one priority in life It needs to be seeking the Lord and not just in crisis all the time. That, like, why your brain? I'm going to seek the Lord. 
When I'm afraid, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I'm sick, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I'm confused, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I feel overwhelmed, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I'm lonely, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I'm depressed, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I need wisdom, I'm going to seek the Lord. When I'm happy, I'm going to seek the Lord. When things are going well, I'm going to seek the Lord. Like, why your brain? That is the default. Seek the Lord. That's what you're created for. And let's just remind ourselves of a few things. Lauren, don't worry about whacking these up. I'll just say them really fast. Psalm 34.10, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Amen. Psalm 105.3, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Oh my goodness. When we turn, when we turn to seek the Lord, man, our hearts find joy. Because in him is the fullness of joy. Psalm 105 verse 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Man, you need strength. Seek the Lord. That's where my strength comes from. And remember, Jeremiah 29, 13. um, The Lord says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We're not serving a dead God. We're serving an alive one. And he promises. That's a promise. I keep telling my kids, if you seek him, you will find him. It's a promise. Praise God. I'm getting carried away. (sighs) Where are we up to? Verse 5. So... Verse 4, all, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5, and Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Point number two. This is practical point number two. Remember who God is. Let's remember how big the God is that we serve. Far out. And if you forget, man, read your Bible. There's so many glory stories in there of the things the Lord has done. Sometimes it just looks like you reminding yourself of who God is. So whenever I read something about the character of God, the glory of God, God's nature, I will highlight it orange. So when I'm having a hard day and I'm forgetting how amazing God is, I can flick through my Bible and just remind myself really quickly of the amazing things that, that God has done and, and who he is and who his character is. All right, verse 7. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to, your, to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before, before this house and before you. 
For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Point number three, practical step, point number three. We need to remember the faithfulness of God in our life. I love that King Jehoshaphat, he was like, God, you drove out the inhabitants of this land. He reminded himself what the Lord had already done. And I think sometimes it's really important for us to reflect and remember the amazing things the Lord has done in our lives. It's such a powerful tool to lift your faith and, and to, to strengthen yourself with because God's amazing. God's amazing and he's done amazing things in your life already and your life's not even over. And I'm sure if we were to pass the microphone around, like we can remember the times that God's provided or the time that God's come in and he's saved or the times when he's like, um, I don't know, just done something amazing. When there's been miracles or signs or wonders or healings or just God being God in a situation, we need to remember our um, women's church group last year, I gave them a journal to write it down so that every time something amazing happens, just write it down, jot it down. So then you, you've got a, a journal you can go back. It's called the Faithfulness of God Journal. Keep a note on your phone. Just the, the things that God does like during your day. Let's remind ourselves of his faithfulness, yeah? All right, where are we up to? Verse 10. And now behold, he's talking to the Lord, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they have avoided and did not destroy... Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are, powerful, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Practical step number four. Where are your eyes? (laughs) Our eyes need to be fixed on God. I don't know how many times the Lord brings me back to this exact verse, verse 12. When I feel powerless, when I feel helpless, I remember the Lord always reminds me, I don't know what to do, but my eyes, they need to be on you, God, because you're always the answer. He is always the answer. It reminds me of Colossians 3. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Or Hebrews 12, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Our eyes need to be on Jesus always. 13, verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaz- Jehaziel. Ugh. 
son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, praise God. I love that it's like, they're all like standing before the Lord. And then the spirit of God comes. It's nothing like that, hey. The spirit of God comes. Verse 15, and he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. Ah, praise God. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Point number five. Remember who the battle belongs to. Remember the battle belongs to the Lord. Sometimes I feel like we get really busy fighting things with our flesh and our worldly wisdom when the reality is it's God's battle to fight. It doesn't mean that you check out and watch Netflix and become a blob on the couch and be like, oh, well, God's fighting my battle. (sighs) No, but it means you set your face to seek him and be intimate with him. And I promise that when you do that, he will have instruction for you. (laughs) There will be obedience required of some sort. And as you seek him, he will make it abundantly clear what is his job and what is your job. It's always in his presence. That's the answer, isn't it? He's really good at being God. So let's let God be God. And let's do our bit that he tells us to do. Amen? All right. Where are we up to? 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord. Point six, stand firm, hold your position. Sometimes you will hear the Lord tell you, you just need to stand firm. You need to stand right now. My husband loves baseball, loves it. In fact, he played a um, grand final today with Isaiah, and they won. It was the, like, edge-of-the-seat game. Um, my heart is still beating faster. <laughs> but they won. Um, well done. Anyway, the point, there's an awesome quote from Babe Ruth. And if anyone knows your baseball, he's considered to be one of the greatest baseball players in history, and he hit 714 home runs during his career. And the quote is simply this, you just can't beat the person who won't give up. And sometimes the best way to be strong 
is to not give up, is to just stand and be like, well, I don't know what to do and I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus, but the one thing I'm not going to do is give up. I'm going to stand firm knowing who I am, who the Word tells me I am, and who the Word tells me God is. And that's enough. I'm going to stand and I'm not going to lie down. I'm not going to give up. There's nothing more frustrating to the devil when a Christian learns how to stand firm and hold their position, no matter what button he presses. So I want to encourage you, stand firm, hold your position. Are we up to 18? No. Oh, yep. I'll do 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. On your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow... Go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Point number seven. Obey instruction when the Lord gives it to you. (laughs) It's really important. Sometimes you, you need the word of the Lord. You need to seek him until you hear his voice. Remember Romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When he gives you an instruction, let's do it. All right, 19. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Huh. Practical step number eight. Worship. Worship. Tully, our beautiful worship pastor, she says, worship is our heart's response to truth. It's as simple as that. When we understand truth, the only response of our hearts is to worship. And I feel like the word of the Lord came to Judah and the response of the knowledge that the Lord would fight on their behalf and they just needed to stand, their response was, God, you're amazing. I'm going to worship you. And I feel like no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're being squeezed, no matter what your circumstance is, man, he is always worthy of worship. And it's such a powerful weapon because when I'm worshipping him, my eyes aren't on my problems, my eyes are on him. And it's realigning my focus to him. I'm not going to talk too much about that because next week we're going to have our some of our worship teams sharing about the power of worship. So I really want you to come for that. (sighs) Praise God. Verse 20, And they rose early in the morning 
and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Oh gosh, practical step number five. Believe. We need to believe. What's the word of the Lord? What's he prophesied over you? What's he promised over you? What's his word say? We're called the believers for a reason. One of the best ways to be strong is to actually just believe what he said. Amen? Verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Far out. So now he puts the worshippers, not at the back, not in the middle, but in front of, in front of the whole people of Judah. So the worshippers are, are leading them out to battle. Not the army, but the worshippers. Ah! Isn't that crazy? Doesn't make any sense at all. But he sends the worshippers ahead. Are you seeing what's happening in America with Sean Foyt? Foyt? What, how do you say his last name? Man, the Lord's sending out the worshippers to prepare the way for revival. It's coming. Revival is coming. <laughs> Come on. Ah. Oh. Guys, we need to learn how to worship, hey? We need to learn how to worship in the midst of a battle. We need to learn the importance of lifting up the name of Jesus while crazy things are going on. I think my point 10 was worship again, but I just realized I already had worship. I think that's the point that it gets to in the end, really. Verse 22, And when they began to sing and praise... The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Oh my gosh. Isn't that absolutely insane? So the three cities that were coming to attack Judah, two of them ended up turning on another one and they completely destroyed them and then those two just destroyed each other. And Judah didn't even have to fight. Isn't it crazy? Oh my goodness, I love it. Verse 24, When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness... They looked towards the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. Huh. When God fights the battle, he always fights it properly. Hey. 
When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were, they were three days in the taking of the spoil. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Barak to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Hmm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen? Far out. This scripture just provokes me and gives me practical tools, practical things that I can engage in, and it helps me to be strong in times when I feel weak. And I hope it's encouraged you guys. Um, I hope you go, I hope you go back through that and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you this week. And I hope you journal it. I hope you journal those nine. 10. We ended up with 10, but worship was twice. 10, <laughs> 10 steps to remind yourself. 10 things I can do to stand and to be strong when I don't feel strong. <sighs> Praise God. That's really all I wanted to say today, I think. Um, but I hope that's encouraged your hearts. Amen. All right. I would love to end... If there are people that need prayer, um, if you feel a bit like we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, we don't know what to do. Man, if that like is like, oh, I feel like that. That feels like my life right now. Man, we want to pray for you. We're a family. We're the family of God. It's okay to feel like that sometimes, to be like, I don't know what to do. So if you feel that way, I want to invite you to come up. We, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And I just feel like, um, hmm, I feel like there's a bit of a, um, a, an attack at the moment of the enemy, if I can just, if I can just talk. Can we just talk as a family? I feel like there's a bit of an attack from the enemy um, as I've like talked to people and um, caught up with people. I just feel like, oh man, people are feeling really discouraged. And, and the enemy's like having a bit of a field day. He's having a good job at our people. And I'm like, that is not okay. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we can have this, I don't know, this thing in our head that 
that we have to be okay to be at church or, or everything needs to be fine. But I feel like we need to like scrap that. We need to remember that we're, we're a family. We're a family. And we're called to be a body. So if you, want, if you need a picture, I just felt like the Lord showed me a circle. And we're called to link arms. We're called to like link together like a big circle. And no one's like higher than anyone else because my body doesn't work if my foot's not there. And if I don't have my fingers, that makes life hard for me. We're all important and we're all part of the body. And so we all need to like link arms and and like be the family. But I feel like sometimes when when things are hard and when you feel like, oh, I don't feel great right now, or I feel really sick, or I feel um, this oppression or whatever you might be feeling, sometimes I feel like the the human instinct, the human nature is to like, I need to take a step back from, from the circle because they're all on fire and they're healthy and they're praising Jesus. So I'm just going to like take a step back and hide myself away. But I feel like that makes it easier for the enemy to just be like, excellent, now they're alone. So can I encourage you? If you felt like it's hard... Can we change the picture of, I'm not going to like step out of the circle. I'm actually going to unlink my arms, but I'm going to step into the middle of the circle and I'm going to let my family surround me with their strength and their love. Can we just, can we like change that, change our thinking? Because it's human nature when I get overwhelmed, when I feel oppression, when I feel this stuff, that you want to hide away. But no, I want you to change your thinking. We're a family and, and I actually need to hide away in the circle of God, in the family of God. And I need to let the body minister the love of God. I need to let the body lift up my arms and, and, and make me strong when I'm not very strong. Because that's what we're called to do as a family. We're called to carry one another's burdens. That's just my little pastoral encouragement for you. And man, if you look around the room, we're missing lots of our family. And some people are like, you know, they're away or whatever. Some people are doing it tough. So I want to encourage you, pick up the phone, get around them. Bring them back into the circle. Amen. All right. So if you'd like prayer, please come forward. Tom's here. Jimmy's here. Um, come forward. Come forward. If you, if, you, um, if you have pain in your body, we'd love to pray for you because God's real. <gasps> Amen. And if you feel like, man, I just need to get into the circle. I need to... Not step away, but I need to step in inside the circle of God and let my family minister to me. If you feel that way, I want you to come forward so we can pray for you. Praise God. <laughs>